1: The Race for the Ring, episode 67, Second Chances, with Dr. Daniel Lloyd. You're listening to The Race for the Ring. I am your host, Mindy Barnett. I'm an entrepreneur, motivational author, keynote speaker, television contributor, and a single mom. Since re entering the dating world after my divorce, I found dating life eye opening. In the age of Tinder, Bumble, and Hinge, there seems to be more horror stories and humor. Than happy endings among my friends and social circles. And I want to know why. Each week, we'll chat with a different dating queen or king, socialite or relationship expert, and explore the many facets of dating today, pitfalls to steer clear from, and how to find the finest fish in the sea. Get ready, set, go! Hi everybody! Welcome back to the Race for the Ring. I am Mindy Barnett coming at ya, and I have a very compelling topic to share with you today. I am going to explore when we should and when we should not give an ex a second chance or third chance or fourth chance or sometimes in some cases a fifth chance. There is a variety of criteria that our expert, Dr. Lloyd, goes through with us and kind of explains when it's healthy, when it's not healthy, and some of the signs that we should be looking for if we are contemplating going back to an ex in terms of improvements and so forth. So bad behaviors and bad patterns are not repeated. Um, He is a licensed psychologist. He practices in Pennsylvania in the Lancaster area and he's been in mental health for 10 plus years. His expertise is couples counseling so we talked a little bit about some of the trends that he's seeing amongst couples. Um, Obviously the pandemic has had a major impact on the up rate uptick, I should say, of divorces taking place across the country, which is very unfortunate. But I have to say, personally, I'm every time I hear about that and the fact that there's massive weights to get divorced, I'm so thankful that I did mine when I did it because I think staying in a marriage or in a household or something when you're so unhappy but you're basically stuck in that scenario because of like like factors you can't control, like basically unable to get an attorney or court gate or any of that nature, I would die personally. But um, anyway, so he talks a lot about that's those scenarios. He also talks to us a little bit about, like I say, like whether or not we should contemplate getting back to an ex. And if it's not a good idea to get back with an ex for a variety of reasons, what we should do instead to kind of like sort of, numb some of that sadness that you might feel when you're thinking or missing an X um, and also coping mechanisms and stuff like that. So it was a really interesting conversation. I think something that probably everyone listening, myself included, can relate to certainly. So without further ado, let's get right to it with Dr. Lloyd. Hi, Lloyd. Thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing all right today. How about yourself?
1: I'm good. That doesn't sound like an enthusiastic. I'm doing all right.
2: Hey, you know what? <laughs> we're it's been recording
1: a, on a Friday. Come on. It's been give a, a long week. It's been a
2: long <laughs> week. All right. We arrived. That's what we're oh, talking yeah.
1: about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear that 100%. Okay, cool. Well, let's tell all of our Race for the Ring listeners out there. Um, I, you know, obviously kind of went into a little bit about who you are and what makes you obviously such an expert in this field, but overall, you you specialize in helping couples, is that right?
2: I do, I do. I do specialize in working with couples of all types and problems and issues and different stages of relationships and it's, um,
1: yeah. Cool. And the couples that you work with, are they mostly married couples or does it kind of range? Like, are they boyfriend-girlfriend scenarios or girl- whatever, like, you know, not unmarried, I guess I should say, to be PC.
2: Yeah, so I, I think it probably depends more on demographic than anything else. So you older folks tend to be more married and younger folks, it kind of a mix. Some, some folks are married, some folks have been living together a long time. I mean, I do get the occasional folks that are coming to kind of pre-marriage, like, hey, you know, we've been together a couple of years, we want to get married, let's let's work out any kinks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the marriage piece maybe is more demographically related than actual, you know. Uh,
1: do you think that, this is so off topic, but I'm just curious of your opinion, do you see more people today younger? Not getting married? Is that more of the trend among younger folks or just waiting longer? Maybe uh,
2: probably a little bit of both. I mean, I usually see them for a window, right? So I can't always track them after they leave, but um, I would say that there's probably a little bit of both. Some folks it's just not important to, and you know they've got their life set up and they've been living together for four or five, six years, and there's no reason. And other folks, it's kind of a long-term goal. You know, they've been together and and, and they'll get married at some point, or or the kind of you know uh, terminally engaged where they've been engaged for four or five, six years.
1: I have a friend, um, one of my girlfriends in New York. She um, she's like married, but she's not married. She had, she says like a, a middle school age child with her boyfriend um and i don't think she'll ever i mean it's different i feel like today i don't know I, I i think for me i'm divorced i i would like to get married again but the reality everyone's like why you already have your kids like as long as you're in a committed relationship it's what's the difference you're you know you're you have kids the likelihood is high that someone else would have kids you'd obviously financially take care of them god forbid if one of you passed and you'd still help the other person out like you know whatever i'm like yeah that's a good point <laughs> yeah it saves and, a lot of legal leg like, work God forbid if things go awry later on down the road right yeah and
2: that's a really that is a really common way to conceptualize things I have a large number of patients that are very like that that you know that, that they have partners you know it's it's somebody that they lived with I mean 10 12 15 years in some cases they have children together they share everything together but they're not married and that's not important to them and so I you know the advent you know the 40s 50s and 60s to now with women being able to work and, and, you know, there's a, a lot more equality in that realm of things has enabled marriage to be put on the back burner for those people that it's not important to
1: yeah i think it's also just i think it's more accepted not to get married today just like divorce is more accepted too so anyway just curious okay so um before we get into whether we should forgive and forget (laughs) (laughs) um what are some of the things you're seeing today amongst your couples i would think the pandemic and all Mm. of the ongoing other like aftermath issues that come about because of the pandemic definitely play a part in how couples are kind of staying together or not staying together or issues like what are the i guess top three issues you're seeing in your couple therapy that you're doing
2: um i mean i think the pandemic kind of shone a light on a lot of people's problems that were existing but were swept under the rug you know everybody's going to work they've got kids they've got everything else running around and then when all that takes a screeching halt and you're stuck inside with your spouse 24 <laughs> but seven poke
1: your eyes out. Right.
2: Correct. Yes. For months on end, <laughs> you're looking for the door. Right. Or you start communicating via text only or some kind mm. of, you know, some kind of compromise so that you don't so you don't kick each other out. I have a good friend that's a family attorney, and she said that they have such a high number of divorces right now Mm -hmm. that they cannot find other attorneys to handle the backlog, that they're turning away far more than they can take just because they don't have the family attorneys to handle it. So that tells you something about the state of what the pandemic has done to a lot of people's marriages. But I'd say the top three are communication problems as it always has been but i think the pandemic brought that out right now you have to maybe juggle who's going to use that home office for which time of the day who you know how household chores are split up things that were in a maybe a pattern before and that pattern got shaken up and now you have to talk about that and so communication is obviously a big problem um, where to spend money what to do with money you know one person's out of work now how how do we how do we renegotiate that right
1: and that's that meant right and that's oh, yeah. Like- mm-hmm. Which it's not the other person's fault, but like, I guess if you're footing the bill for the family and it's been a year, I would, or close to that or whatever, when, you know, I would imagine that's a huge strain on a marriage, right? Or just relationship doesn't have to be marriage.
2: And, I, and, and the third thing that comes in is, is kids. Kids have been in and out of school all year long. Who's mm-hmm. bearing the brunt of that? Is it, is it your job or is it his job that's got to take a second you know, backseat to the children's you know, having to stay home? Who's got the flexibility? Who gets kind of that buried with all of that on a regular basis? Uh, that,
1: that has yeah. come up quite a bit you know even for me I'm divorced um, as I mentioned and people that listen to the show know that um, or they should you should know I'm divorced all of y'all out there and like race for the ring land anyway I have a decent relationship with my ex-husband. We're very good friends, and we co-parent lovely together. However, this has, for me, been an issue because I have a very fast-paced job. Um, I run a business. He does, too. He owns his own business, He's a, but we're in different industries. He's a jeweler. I'm in PR. Um, I manage a team. He works with his dad. You know, it's just himself and his dad, which is great. You know, he doesn't have to worry about, like employee issues and things like that. And the majority of his work has been online and just mostly appointments, like selling pieces and diamonds and things. Whereas mine, thank goodness, knock on wood, I'm gonna find some actual (laughs) wood, not just my head, has increased tremendously. But I have to keep pace with all of that. And it, it's really better for me to be physically in an office as opposed to working from home. So my point is it's much, I think, from my, where I sit, it's much easier for him to be doing the pickups and the drop-offs and stuff during the day, even on my parenting days, so that I can physically be where I need to be. Or he doesn't really need to. I mean, he, the kids go to school very close to where we both live in New Jersey and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, we've been like... he doesn't see it that way so I (laughs) so I still do it I mean because it's my responsibility when they're with me but I'm like right you can get them
2: like well help and help there's, <laughs> and
1: yeah. you toss
2: in that co-parenting relationship and now you have two different sets of goals right but yes. two people that still have to make your work yeah and that and that's is even a more difficult situation than if you share the same you know family oh goals, yeah right? you're
1: like yeah, you're getting them but now exactly. I can feel like you're getting them because it's really on me and I don't want to look like the bad irresponsible (laughs) mom but you know it's just a matter i feel like a fairness who has more flexibility he definitely does but it i pick and choose what i choose to fight about or argue about i I hate that word but anyway okay cool i'm just curious i can imagine though if you're in the same household and you know you're already at each other's throats and you're not trying to be like peaceful and not like rock Uh, the boat i have that would probably flip people will probably flip out about that uh, I, right? I have some couples
2: that have almost painted a line down the middle of the house almost there uh, I, I i i have one in particular where they're 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 darn close to that painting a line down the middle and you stay on your side i'll stay on my side type of thing
1: gosh no wonder you're like hi <laughs> <laughs> i'm just kidding you are ready for the end of the week i hear you i am all right so let's talk about when you should take an ex back so
0: that's
1: a good transition right so i guess i mean maybe whether you're fighting with someone that's already in your house and you're you're splitting or you're thinking of splitting and then you come to a i guess a realization that maybe you don't want to split and that's not the best choice you really do love them you want to give it another chance or perhaps you've broken up and you want to give it a go What are some of the criteria, it's a very broad question, I appreciate that, but nevertheless, we can kind of dive in a little deeper, but just on the scratch surface, what are some, what's some of the criteria that you as an expert would advise people and patients to basically assess and go by in kind of deciding whether or not to go back to an X? Uh,
2: the first question that would come to mind is history what does that history look like right is it okay history you know is there just you kind of drifted apart or you had different interests and that's what moved you apart Mm -hmm. are there things that keep it together like children right and is that a reason that keeping a relationship going could be worth it you know sometimes the relationship isn't the only factor at play especially when there's kids and you have you know, intertwined finances and there's houses right. and all that stuff, right? It's not as simple as hey, the relationship doesn't work anymore. We need to we need to get done. You have to weigh out what that looks like, how much work it's going to be.
1: Do you? Can but, I stop you right there? I have a go, I have sure. a follow up to that. Do you think that if you're factoring in finances, kids, other factors, quote unquote, in addition to just the core of your relationship? Is that something you think you should, I mean, not ignore, but I, I've always been kind of error that I, it, not to think about the kids in a relationship, I mean, not to say I'm not thinking of my kids, but not to stay with I, somebody I for that reason. Um, or do you think that is a viable reason to like revisit?
2: It It depends 100% on the situation. You know, the, I, I think that there are some cases when it's probably a, a rationale to look at, right? Like. I, I worked with this couple once upon a time who they were kind of um, on the fence about getting divorced neither of them were really into the relationship and there was no cheating or anything like that but they were just kind of like we're roommates essentially and and neither Mm -hmm. of us are fan of this situation you know what does it look like to divorce what are the and and they came in as kind of like a consultation more than a like we want to fix stuff Mm -hmm. and so we went through a pros and cons list you know what's it going to cost what what is you know taking your household income splitting that in half and then trying to support two houses off of that and and after a couple sessions they kind of realized i think for us since we don't dislike each other, we just kind of have fallen out with each other, they decided to give it a go. And we worked for probably a couple of months on getting them back into sync with each other. And they went and started dating again and stuff like that. And they, re- they rekindled. And as far as I know, they're still together and still going strong. So that's I think good. There, are, there are some cases where that makes sense. And that's why I say the history, right? So I mean, if there's history of abuse, if there's history of, of big problems, then that's not going to go away. Right? You're, not, you're not gonna get back with that person and then have an entirely new dynamic. You're gonna pick up with that person pretty much where you left off, especially if it hasn't been a, a long period of time. And if it's been decades or years, there might be some differences. But for the most part, that history carries weight. You can't ignore it. So I think the first factor you gotta look at is, what does that history look like? Is it a good history? You just kind of drifted apart, then maybe getting back together is not a big deal. Mm-hmm. Not a problem. Mm-hmm. But, if there's, but if there's problems there in that history that you don't want to deal with, then those same problems are going to be there again when you get back together.
1: What is your thoughts on cheating? So um, I know that's like a loaded question, but I have been advised, uh, friends that have dealt with it, um, once a cheater, always a cheater kind of philosophy, I sort of err towards a different mindset not that i've ever cheated but when i give them advice i'm like sometimes you can look at that crisis if you will and grow and learn from it but i don't know i'm just curious what you think what do you is I, that that you think you can overcome
2: uh, that's probably i mean the, overall
1: i know again it's circumstantial but yeah
2: that's probably 50 percent of what i deal with is infidelity and really I, I i want to say that i have a good success rate at that You know, if you're coming to therapy to deal with that in a relationship, it means that you want to be in it. You just want to be able to deal with the infidelity, right? And so something that I learned from a good friend of mine was that I I treat the cheating like a trauma. It's a trauma to the relationship. It's a trauma to each individual, the person that cheated as well as the person who got cheated on. And I found that to be really successful when I treat it that way. And it does take a long time to rebuild that trust. But cheating isn't a death knell to a relationship, but it's definitely difficult to get over. And, and if there's already problems to begin with, and you're kind of one foot out the door, and then your spouse cheats on you, it's unlikely that you're going to probably want to stick around. But if right. you're happy and everything's going cool, and then suddenly one day, boom, you get slapped in the face by your spouse, you know, having an affair. Those are the ones that I seem. It, it, it seems to think it, it seems to be that we can pick up the pieces and kind of put it back together.
1: I've always been told that, like, when someone cheats, it's not because they're, like, I don't know, looking over their shoulder for the next best thing. It's more because of whatever's going on either with it, with their partner or perhaps something within themselves that they need to fulfill some sort of void. Is it? Would you agree with that? It doesn't seem like you agree with that. It kind of depends. What do you think? Uh, I, okay. Okay. I mean, I-
2: I, I think that's true in a lot of cases. I, I mean, uh, one one comes to mind where this younger couple comes to me and and, uh, and the wife. I mean, they've been married about five years, I think, mm-hmm. and the wife had had an affair and, and we're going through this and she just had no idea why she did it. She was just drunk one night and had that. And, and it was a it's like a one night, night,
1: night stand kind of thing? No,
2: really? it, was a, it, was, oh. it was an ongoing thing where she had it like maybe four or five times. I, I can't remember the okay. exact circumstances. Okay but we, she really couldn't come up with a reason why she did it other than she just was kind of impulsive and she did it. And that was the big stumbling block for him is he was like, all right, well, if there's no reason that we can kind of point to and fix, then how do I know it's not going to happen again type of thing.
1: Right. Right, that's valid, I think. Yeah. Totally.
2: And so we did a lot of work on getting him to a place where they were okay with what they had in him and it really increasing their communication skills, right? So she could start to of recognize what's going on inside of herself. So if she's not happy, she can talk to him about it and they can work on it type of thing. They ended up staying together, but it took a long time to get them back to a place where they were okay with each other. And then I have another couple that I worked with was a little bit older in their 30s and he cheated. But he cheated because their bedroom had been dead for 10 years. And so to her, that made sense. Like, okay, well, I'm not having sex with my husband, so he went and found it someplace else. That was a fairly easy fix, so to speak. I mean, it was heartbreaking for her, but she was able to kind of put herself in his shoes and be like, all right, well, yeah, that sucks. I'm not gonna do that. Like, it it was a shorter go around. And they were able to put things back together. And and so, yes, I think sometimes there is that, you know, like something's going on with me, so I'm going to go do something rash or or impulsive. But then there's some people that just don't do commitment well. And they're kind of chronic self-sabotagers, and they go and they cheat and they find people and, you know, they keep it a secret and then it kind of comes out and explodes and they don't really have a reason other than that's what they wanted to do. And so they're going to keep doing it. Right. And in those cases, you can't really expect that behavior to change. I have I have a, a rule for um, couples counseling that you can't be involved in an extramarital affair if you're going to come to couples counseling. So no abuse and no extramarital affairs. Because if you're out sleeping with somebody else or even if it's yeah. an emotional affair...
1: Yeah, you're not being then, honest in your room, right? Well,
2: and, and even if you're being honest and you're bringing that into the room, that's still taking away from whatever resources you're going to try and repair this relationship with and you're giving it to somebody else.
1: Yeah. No, right? I 100% agree with that. Yeah.
2: Do you it's ever have
1: that? Do you find that? You, uh, yeah. You do? And you have to throw yeah. people like away?
2: Uh, I, I mean, I've, I've had people, I, I, I had a guy, he was like, I'm not giving to my mistress and I was like, well, then this is not going to work. And then I had a, some, some folks, I'd been seeing them for a while, and then the guy admitted to having a mistress on the side. and was like, well, this is why we're struggling here. And I, I believe they end up getting divorced. But,
1: was, but, but at least they found out that didn't live a lie, right? Yeah, it? I mean,
2: you can only fake it for so
1: long. Yeah, that's true. It always comes out one way or the other, for sure. Um, yeah. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about exes that maybe you're thinking of because you're lonely. I have a friend um who was in a relationship about i don't know i'm trying to remember maybe two years ago they no they broke up officially a year ago um they had a big issue when they went on a vacation it's a whole story on and of itself but anyway um and and because of the pandemic and because of the fact that she's not dating really because of the pandemic and just like just life i think in general um She's been she shared with me that she was like thinking about this guy and um, she was thinking of reaching out to him. And this guy was like, I mean, she needed to have like a restraining order against him. Like he was like a bad news. So I was like, absolutely not. (laughs) Do not reach out to him. It's a huge mistake. You know, and all of that. But I'm wondering, as that's obviously an extreme example, and she actually didn't take my advice and did, but um, but they just talked and it's fine. But I think that when you're lonely and you're sad, it makes you think of all of the good that you may have had with an ex. Totally. But the reality is there's a reason they're an ex. So let's talk a little bit about those scenarios and... If you can offer some actionable advice and tips for people how to overcome that. I've been told by other therapists I've interviewed on this show for other topics. It's sort of like a wave, like an ocean wave. Like mm-hmm. It comes up and then it will vent. If you don't react <laughs> and yep. reach out, the wave will crash and you'll be back yep. to like your calm sea. I find that with some people in my life. I get like, oh, I want to reach out. But then I'm like, I shouldn't. And then I don't. I like sit on my hands not to text them. And then sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but eventually like the wave will crash and
2: then i'll be like well i I mean all right (laughs) i I mean the question i can start with right is when's the last time you felt any emotion forever right emotions are time limited you're sad for a day or two or three right or you're happy for an hour or two or three Mm -hmm. but eventually that emotion passes so the same thing with loneliness that, that desire to get back and, and, and connect with somebody that you had a good connection with, even if it had a bunch of negative consequences to it, mm-hmm. that will pass. So if you can hold on tight, right, ride that wave through a day or two, then that can be enough to kind of get through that and maybe not connect with somebody who's not healthy for you. Right. The other the other thing that I advise people to do is create new social connections. Even if it's not a new boyfriend or a new girlfriend, but having healthy social connections you can call up and be like, "Hey, today's a bad day. Can we go and get some, you know, get some dinner get a drink or something like that?" That can be enough to stave off maybe heading back to an ex that was not healthy for you. And so it isn't just the x piece of it it's it's how you structure your life outside of that relationship too and i mm. think the people that have the hardest time with that are ones that kind of put all their social eggs into one particular relationship and when that goes mm. to crap they're kind of sitting there being like well uh, this is not good and now i want to get back with this person even though it's an unhealthy relationship because they're sad they're bad. lonely they're right sad, that's lonely. all they exactly, had right.
1: yeah exactly
2: yeah. And so really spreading out and having a good social network, a good support system, friends and family that you love and care about that you have no romantic connection to can really help with this particular situation.
1: That's great advice. In fact, as you were talking, I was remembering something in my mind recently. Um, I was like a little down about something that happened with somebody and then I remembered like it was midweek and I remember that particular upcoming weekend I had a friend of one of my best friends coming into New York and spending the weekend with me and I'm like oh I know I'm gonna have the best time this weekend because so-and-so is coming into town and it's gonna totally keep my mind off that and I and it it's and I was like oh I don't like I felt so much better just knowing Mm -hmm. that was on the horizon I personally have always had a lot of friends when when I was married before I was married after marriage and I don't really have that but I definitely can see some of my adult well, I am an adult, all well, my friends. I hope are adults too. <laughs> some of them don't always act like them. <laughs> anyway, um I that sounds so silly saying that. But that said, um some of my friends, I think later on in life and make when you're Mid lifey sort of age mm-hmm. range don't always have that strong foundation of friendships. Mm-hmm. Like they have like maybe three or four people, but that's all like that's it. I'm not saying you have to have 20, but I definitely totally have true. different pockets of social networks that I can I spend time with. So, well, and I mean. Social and
2: people get stuck, right? You're you're working, and especially if you were in a long-term relationship with children, that became your primary social network, and if that ends, then you're kind of left with not much, right? Mm -hmm. Especially if you don't have an overly social job, or maybe you're not an extroverted person, you're kind of an introverted person, so maybe Mm -hmm. going out and finding new friends on a regular basis is something that's difficult for you. And so what I oftentimes advise is finding hobbies people like to do stuff together. So if you like to crochet, crochet with other people. If you like to model airplane, model airplane with other people. You like to go hiking, join a hiking group. There are lots of ways that you can connect with other people that don't necessarily require all the extraversion of maybe going to a bar and striking up a conversation, right? Mm -hmm. And and, and so I think there are a lot of ways that you can kind of keep yourself out of the return to my ex because I'm lonely problem. And hobbies are one, just keeping connected with friends and family are another one. You know, even throwing yourself into work if it comes to that, that's not necessarily my go to, but it, it can be something short term that works.
1: Oh, you, which you know, throwing yourself into work? Is that what yeah. you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah. often do that. I mean I, I love it. I'm sure you do too. So for mm-hmm. me it's almost Certainly. like a hobby. <laughs> but it's it not. Can be, yeah. Like I can't believe I'm getting paid for this, but I love it. Um, no, but that's good advice. I actually have a friend, another friend, a guy friend actually who let's see he broke up with his girlfriend maybe a month ago and he's been kind of down and um i think it's like that prime example of what you were saying when you put all of your stock in one person so i think like since their breakup he's been more inclined to reach out to others and we've definitely rekindled our friendship of our we not dating but like we he's like become extremely good friend of mine now more like almost like a brother relationship which i value tremendously and i feel like it fills a void in that guy sense that I'm missing a little bit like to have like that a guy in my life that I care about like that but at any rate um he I was giving him the same kind of advice I was like why don't you just like Find a hobby. Like, what do you like to do for fun? And like, he's a, he's in the medical industry, and so he was like giving me all this medical stuff. I'm like, oh, that's your work. I'm like, <laughs> like do you sure. like? He's like, I'm like, you're athletic. You used to play basketball in college. Like, do you want to play basketball again? Like, <laughs> I'm like, do you want to like like whatever? He's like really tall and like built and stuff I'm like do something like sports related join some sort of sports team like you'll meet so many guy friends that way and it's it'll be fun for you at the very least to like have an hour I remember when I was going through my divorce I wasn't sure what I was going to do with the divorce and my therapist at the time got me into taking dance classes again so I danced my whole life and that was like he's only an hour and a half of of happiness a week well you know i we had other happiness we, it's awful to say i but i'm saying like pure joy for me sure. like, mm-hmm. so, like selfish mm-hmm. joy that i was just doing for me but it was such a something i looked forward to i really like that hour and a half my mind escaped i was literally just so focused on the dancing and like it was go- so i was giving him that as an example i think he's taking my advice so but that's, that's great good. advice it's good that you said that to no me. that's I mean, that's, that's totally better great that advice. i offered him that advice <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it really—it's—it's—it's it's, it's self-care, right? Self-compassion. It's taking care of yourself by finding things that you enjoy doing that you—that's that's, going to bring you that happiness. Like dance class is a perfect example of that. I—I I, I like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay, awesome. So any other um, important tidbits to share as we wrap up in terms of giving people second chances? Um, Is there any red flags that other than like feeling lonely and not riding the wave and, you know, things like that, that you would recommend that people be mindful of before they send that text message or make that phone call or anything like that? Or drive by, do a drive by, like their house?
2: (laughs) I think talking to a trusted friend before you re enter relationships that maybe are a little sketchy, right? If there was, I mean, everybody leaves relationships for a reason, right? Right. And sometimes the negative parts of those relationships fade with time, but remember the positive parts. And then we get back in them and we're like, ooh, this is why I left. And yeah. so, yeah. having having that conversation with a trusted friend of like, hey, you remember what I was like with so-and-so, and they can be like, yeah, this is why you left. And that can help you kind of stay grounded because we can get real biased real quickly about what relationships used to look like. Mm-hmm. And so, I think having those kinds of people that you can talk to and be like, hey, I'm thinking about getting back together with this person. What do you think? And they're like, "Well, wow, this is what it was like when you were with this person, and this is why I didn't like them, or this is why I did like them, or whatever the response might be." But but having another brain outside of your own to offer perspective can be very helpful.
1: That's that's good advice. Two questions: um, A. Have you ever counseled anybody, like exes, that were contemplating getting back together or decided to get back together, but went straight to therapy because they wanted to make it work?
2: Mm-hmm actually I have I did I had I had a couple that had been married and then they got divorced they shared a child or two I don't remember the exact circumstances Mm -hmm. and one had gotten remarried for a couple of years and then they remained good co-parenting partners and they started kind of rekindling their connection and they'd slept together a couple times and they're like well we got to go talk to somebody about this and they came in and we kind of worked it out I don't know that they ever got remarried, but they did end up reconnecting and living together for a while at least. That's Um, good. And their children, I believe their children were like teenagers and stuff. So, yeah, it it, it was a really interesting, they had to work out a lot of their own stuff. There was a lot of like, this is what happened in the past. Like, I don't don't want this to happen again type of thing. But they also both used the divorce as a growth opportunity. And so they weren't really the same people. And it was really interesting to watch them kind of discover each other as new people.
1: That's awesome. Um, that was really my second question was, yes. have, do, you, do you think that it's possible that people can use the time apart and grow and evolve and change in a certain way and then the thing, just the love is there, the love is there, and get back together at a later time and be like content and happy? And
2: I had, well. I had, a, I had a professor in grad school whose parents had gotten divorced and remarried three times.
1: Oh my God. To,
2: to each <laughs> other. To each other. I
1: get that. I'm like, and oh, I, was God. Like, oh, I was like, that's like a oh, my divorce God. attorney's dream.
2: <laughs> well, it, and, and what was hilarious? Oh, they're
1: going shopping to Prada after that divorce three times. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> and, when, yeah. and what was hilarious is they were back together, but they refused to get remarried because they don't want to deal with uh, paperwork again. But they oh, but they were living it. together again, right? Okay. And it was like okay. the fourth go around, and I'm like, all right, I don't know if that's overly healthy, but sure. And, and they just found themselves returning to each other. So I think absolutely people change over time, especially, mm-hmm. and people have aha moments or wake up moments of like, oh my gosh, I just lost this person that really means a lot to me. I'm going to change and be somebody better, right? Yeah. And so I, th- I think that can absolutely happen. But you, history still matters, right? You know, so, so we're talking about what that history looks like. That change had to be sustained over time, right? It's a couple of months is not going to it's not going to do it. We're no. talking, you know, you need years with a train and take
1: your right? time and be very open-minded, but also like intelligent about what you're viewing and experiencing. Right.
2: Forgiveness can be extremely healing for relationships. So forgiving. Oh, absolutely. Forgiving yeah. and, 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 and reconnecting isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it also can't erase bad habits and things like that if the person's not going to take responsibility and do something about them.
1: Right, right. And
2: so I think that's probably the biggest red flag is if that individual has done nothing to improve themselves, all of those same problems are going to be there when you return back to that relationship. And so, but if they've taken the time and and they're working on themselves and they're becoming a better version of them, then you very well may be in a relationship with a different version of that person and that may work out. And
1: that's awesome. And if not, get yourself a surfboard and ride the week.
2: Exactly, ride that wave <laughs> down, talk to uh, a friend, take a cold shower, whatever you need to do.
1: Yeah, throw some ice on your head. Exactly. You the ice, exactly. Book, the ice a challenge would start all over again. All right, well, thank you very much for joining us. Tell us where we can find you on uh, social media and everything.
2: Certainly. Uh, I have a practice. It's Balanced Behavioral Health. Um, you can find me at balancedbh.com. I also have a Facebook page. I don't remember exactly what that is, but it's... You, you can, well we'll put you can, we'll can, find, find we'll put it in the
1: show notes, no worries. Sure. <laughs> okay. All right. Well thank you. I no appreciate problem. it. Have a good, happy weekend.
2: I will, you too. Have
1: a little martini for me. Get some pep right. in your step.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right. for listening All to right. the Bye. rest of the
1: ring. If you like today's episode, please write us a review. They can make or break a good podcast, just like a dull dude can be the kiss of death to a date I'll catch you next week and in the meantime be sure to say hi and follow me on Instagram Facebook Twitter and LinkedIn my handles and contacts are in the show notes it's been my pleasure to have you along for today's dating debate Bye-bye. Today's episode was brought to you by Furco's Fine Jewelry. The family-owned business is best known for their handcrafted statement pieces, engagement rings, and fashion finds. Visit them on Instagram at Furco's Fine Jewelry and make them your go-to when shopping for a special gift for a loved one, friend, or for yourself. Race for your ring and use special code MINDY15 at checkout for 15% off your first purchase. Happy shopping!